This is the Magic Convention Guide podcast for the 26th of February 2009. Hello, this is Paul Romhani. I'll be appearing at the South Tyneside Convention coming up very shortly in March. And here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, please welcome uh, Paul Romhani, uh, originally from New Zealand, now living in Canada. Uh, what makes you want to up sticks and travel all the way to the UK to perform? Well, um, I've wanted to actually I've wanted to go to the UK for a long time. I've been in and out of the UK for many years with with, um, with cruise ships and things, but never stopped in and actually done a performance. And so when the opportunity came in, I thought this is this is great. Uh, you know, I've performed all around the world, and just to get to the UK and perform is going to be a, a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to it, and especially bringing the Charlie Chaplin act over. I think will be very different for a for a convention because um, I very rarely get the chance to appear at any conventions because of my work performing so much. So I just thought the opportunity to bring little Charlie back to the UK would be lovely. That'll be fantastic. So is that predominantly what you're doing at South Tyneside, the, the Chaplin Act? I'm doing that. Yeah. Well, I'm actually they've got me because I do two different things. I'm doing um, a comedy, uh, like a comedy magic act, the first night, and the second night for the gala show, I'm doing the the Chaplin Act. Uh, so it's two different, completely two different um, sort of acts. It's, you know, that's why they've got me doing two shows because it's almost two different people. The <laughs> price of one. Excellent. <laughs> now you are known as one of the the best Chaplin impersonators out there. Uh, how long did you study Chaplin uh, before building a magic act around him? I I started doing Charlie when I was eight years old, so I'm now forty. So I've been doing it for a long time, and it was eight years old when I first saw Charlie, and I was just fascinated by him. And I started mimic, mimicking him. Um, I've got photos of me dressed up when I was eight as Chaplin. And, and then at, at the age of eight, I also started music. Um, I actually have a degree in music. So um, music and then magic and then ventriloquism, everything started at the age of eight. And I love that old thing that Di Vernon used to say where he said, uh, I, I wasted the first eight years of my life, you know, by not knowing what I wanted to do. <laughs> um, but everything happened at the age of eight. And, uh, and I still studied Charlie, but it's just a fascination with him. And then everything sort of clicked into place when I was, must have been... Actually, I tell you, it was when I saw Marvin Roy. Um, like most magicians, I went through my phase of thinking that I should be Paul Daniels or... Because uh, in New Zealand, we, we, every week we'd have Paul Daniels. We weren't influenced by American magic much. When I grew up in New Zealand, it was mostly uh, UK magicians and, and English television shows. So I thought, you know, I went through my phases of thinking... I'll, I went through everything. Dove magic, I thought I was going to be David Copperfield, Paul Daniels, you know. And then all, the, all this time it was staring me in the face because I had this huge fascination for Charlie Chaplin. So, um, gosh, it must have been in my teens when I saw Marvin Roy come to New Zealand and he gave one of the best lectures I've ever seen and the best thing I ever did was, was listen to him and his advice and he talked about putting a, an act together with a theme. And as an example, he gave an act in his lecture about, uh, around uh, cookies or you know, chocolate chip cookies. And um, uh, and I thought to myself, gosh, that's, what a great concept, you know, because I couldn't find what I, who I was on stage and stuff. And anyway, I ended up, I thought, gosh, what could I do? And then, I, and for years, I was I was doing Charlie Chaplin, and I just combined them both. And I and I tell you, instantly, my whole career changed. I got so much work because it was so different. And that was in my my late teens. And then by the time I got to my twenties, uh, well, when I was twenty one, I went full time as a magician. And and haven't stopped working since, so that's almost 20 years ago now. That's fantastic. And, um, and it's because, of, and it's simply because of the Charlie Chaplin Act. It's so, it is novel, and it's just so different. And and I've learned so much about 
performance doing Chaplin rather than just magic. It's, um, I've learned about theatre and uh, um, what, I, what I now think is important with a magic act is, um, or any act, I just think uh, bringing people into the act, the emotions and all this sort of stuff. And I can do it with Charlie. And uh, it was funny, I, for years, you know, I was, um, I would go on, as a magician, you go on stage and you have to walk, uh, get the audience on your side. But as, the minute you walk out as Chaplin, because they instantly recognize him, you're already on their side. It's like a famous celebrity coming on stage, people are going to laugh. And the minute they walk on stage, people are laughing because they, they know them, they know what to expect. Of course. And I discovered, I discovered when I started doing Charlie, um, it, 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 was, I even, it was the same thing. People know Charlie Chaplin even today. You know, 30 odd years after his passing, after his death, they still recognize him. So, sure. uh, and it made life a little easier for me too, in that respect, rather than having to come out and try and get people on your side. You know, of course, it puts, know a, it puts a foot in the door for you before you've even started. Sure, I know. And, uh, and so, so it's been a great big learning curve. And I'm still learning about Charlie. I still watch his movies. And yeah, the great thing about the cruise ships is that. Um, you get to meet people who who have uh, wonderful stories about Chaplin too. So um, you know, I'm still learning stuff about him. And I guess originality um, of the act is, is pretty you know pretty critical. Talk a little bit about sort of uh, a structure you'll follow. Um, you know, when you when you create an act or an effect. Well, uh, well, it's com- there's two different ways of doing it. You see, with, it's funny how it works because with Chaplin. Uh, with me, when you see the show, you'll understand that the music is such an important part. And I think this is partly because of my training as a musician for my act. Um, I, can, I can have an idea for a magic trick. In fact, I'm working on one now that I've been working on for about two or three years. And um, it's simply, uh, it's a famous uh, routine. It's the egg, canary, lemon trick, you know. Of course. And, um, but I've, I've been working on it for two or three years. And and keep reworking, reworking until, I mean, the best version I ever saw, I think, was Tommy Wonder. I'm thinking, how can you, not, not, not copy his, but how can you get it to that level? And I will work on something for years before it can get to that level. And then the hardest part for me is not so much the technical side of magic, it's, it's, the, it's the, the, how can I put this, it's the routine or the music, especially with Chaplin, because it has to fit so perfectly. And every nuance, you'll see when I do the act, everything looks like it, well, it is, it's choreographed, it's, it's produced, um, everything fits into the music so perfectly to me that's the hardest part and then when I do my comedy magic which is a completely to me it's almost it's different it's, it's me right it's, it's not Chaplin so I'm talking so again it's a different it's verbal it's uh, comedy but I do like to keep my things pretty visual as well so you know when I work on something I, I, I take it apart and I work on aspects so I, I can work on a routine for two, yeah. two or three years before it even goes in the show wow. and um uh, w- which I think is a good thing, and that's why you know uh, I really have a really, even though on the cruise ships I do a full one-man show, I do a 50-minute, 45-50-minute show as Charlie Chaplin, and I can do that no problem. But in my own mind, um, I can do a killer 20 minutes, you know. <laughs> and I and I say it took me, you know, I've been doing it since I was I've been doing the act since in my 20s, um, the, the act I'm doing now, and it's taken me that long, I think, just to get 20 minutes. <laughs> I don't know how some of these people do it that, that have hours of like you know Copperfield and stuff. Well, I have a team of people around. I was going to say they must have te- teams of people doing that sort of stuff for them. I wish I, had, I wish I had teams of people around me. I, you know, even with even and I produce a lot of magic tricks and things and, and put out a lot of products and, and I think, gosh, if I had to like if I had at least two other people working for me, I, where would I be? You know, I'd have a little factory somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I try to do it all myself, as we all do. You know, absolutely. But they, you know, they do say brainstorming as a, as a team. 
Uh, well, know, yeah, and I miss that. We live in actually. We're just we're, funny thing is we we're. we're uh, We've just put a house on the market. We're heading back to New Zealand because we can't take these winters anymore. They're like minus 30 at the moment where we are. And, and it's funny because uh, I do miss the brainstorming because we're sort of in the, stuck in a, in a beautiful little town, but there's nobody here. And so all my brainstorming is, is done um, um, with my cat. <laughs> no, I, don't, I, I miss that, uh, I miss that uh, brainstorming. And that's another reason. I'm so looking forward to the convention because I haven't been to a convention for so long. Uh, that I'm really looking forward to sitting down with nutritionists and talking and, um, and, and talking about effects and things I'm working on and what they're working on and just sharing. I really miss that, you know. You're going to get your fix. Yeah, I'm, I'm really, and, and I'm glad to do it. I'll be honest with you, I'm not a, I don't mind the big conventions, they, they kind of scare me, but um, I'm, not big, I'm not good with a whole lot of people. I sort of get, uh, but, but with a small number of people like the, the, the uh, South Tyneside Convention, I'm really looking forward to this one because it's a good number of people that'll be there. And, you know, you've got time to spend with people, you know. Absolutely. I was going to say, if you go to a really large convention, there are so many people trying to <clears throat> get your attention and stuff, you know. That's why I'm, I like the, uh, the smaller, more intimate conventions. And, I'm, you know, I've had a couple of offers from different conventions around the world for this year. And um, I'm pretty selective because, uh, well, also with my work, but I, I'm trying to go for the smaller ones to break myself in, you know. <laughs> That's great to hear. Now, you, you mentioned your music. Do you write all the music for, for, for all, you know, all the magic you do? I don't. What I do is I edit a lot of music. A lot of my music is actually for the Chaplin Act. There's a lot of, it's all either classical or it's um, actually Chaplin music. Mm -hmm. um, but what I do have is I have an orchestrator uh, from the States and he orchestrates my music. So when I'm on a ship, it's live music. And, um, which, which is a whole other dimension to an act. It's unbelievable when you have a, an orchestra behind you. Uh, as Chaplin, I've done, I've done symphony concerts as Charlie Chaplin, come out and conducted and stuff. And that's a whole other area that I got into, um, just with the Chaplin character, you know. Of course. But I do write music. In fact, I write music. I put out, I put out a, all the products I put out with DVDs and things. Um, because of copyright, I write my own music and it saves me having to pay copyright on that. Of course, it's a, it's a minefield, isn't it? Um, yeah. Now you mentioned uh, magic on cruise ships. Now, I yeah. wouldn't mind if you tell us a little bit about the, the sort of the cruise lifestyle and the typical day in the life of a magician on board ship. Oh sure, yep, yep. Can I plug my book? <laughs> no, of I'm course kidding. you can. That's that's the <laughs> just, whole point just, of it. Just, oh, brilliant! No, I'm just I just finished this book last month and it's, it's done really well. And I'll talk. I'll answer your question, but just briefly, it's called Entertaining on the Cruise Ship: The Ultimate Guide. And it's um, it's actually done phenomenally well, and and I'm pleased to say that I've already had it's only been out a month, and two magicians have emailed me to say they've already got work on the, on ships because of the book. They followed the advice, so I thought that's the best sort of reference I could get when people can actually get work on a ship. You know, of there's so much work out there on ships that um, it, um, you know some magicians are like, well, why would you put a book out with all the contacts and all the information? Now, you know, and I said, well, I have no problem. There's just so much work out there. Uh, for everybody. Uh, life on a ship, it's a different life altogether and ev every ship is different and times are changing so much. I mean, even since this book come, has come out last month, um, times are changing. They're asking more, especially with, with what's, what's happening in the world of the um, economic situation. For example, I got an email from my agent who actually isn't in England. He's a great agent out of uh, London. And he, um, he emailed me to say that Princess Cruises, for example, are now asking magicians not only to do their main show, so you have to have the 50 minutes, but you also need, um, 
you need to have an opening show, so that's 20 minutes. They may even ask you to do a closing show, so that's another 20 minutes. So now you're up to 90 minutes of material. Plus, they now want you to do walk around in the atrium. Plus, they want you to do a um, what is it? A kids show. So, and I said, I said to my agent, Wow, that's a hell of a lot of work. How much extra money is that? He said, None. Hmm. So you know, they're, they're trying to. And I haven't worked for Princess for a long time because of that reason. But, um, so um, every cruise line is different. I just got off one cruise line, which is a phenomenal, phenomenal cruise line. Um, the most expensive people are paid three hundred thousand dollars just to go on this cruise, the world cruise, you know, it's high end, and um, everything is taken care of, the, the suite is huge for the balcony, you turn up, there's a bottle of champagne, it's just gorgeous, and they treat you really well, so that means you, you go from one extreme to the other, and you, on that particular cruise line, I just did I just did the one show, um, and the rest of the time, I just sort of, uh, I was in Rio and Argentina and all that, so I, you know, I got off as passenger, and this is the thing about a, about a, a magician on the ship is that you're actually a passenger. You make sure that you're passenger status, so that you you do your show or you do your work, and then you can get off during the day and and enjoy the sights and sounds of whatever country you're in. I, I guess that way you're not uh, you're not sort of plunged in the depth of the ship. Uh, you do actually well, have a life. You have well, yeah. It's it's a strange life. I'll be honest with you. I. I've been doing it for over 10 years now. When I started, um, I would do long contracts, you know, six months because I was single. Uh, I actually met my wife on a ship and she travels with me now. But, and we don't go out for very long. I mean, I might go out for a week maximum now because I'm just at the end of it. And, and while it's an incredible lifestyle, um, you are removed from what I call the real world. So you can be on a ship and have no idea um, what's going on in the world except what's going on on CNN or Fox News, you know, in the States. <laughs> that's all you'll get <laughs> so, and then you get you know and then it gets a headache you stop watching television um, <clears throat> but the, the reason the, the best thing about it is a you get to work in the most incredible venue the theaters on cruise ships today are phenomenal um, <clears throat> you know like uh, next I think next week or something I have to fly down to work the Queen Victoria for Kuno and and those theaters on those huge ships are just you know better than what you have in Vegas they're incredible and you've got a team of people doing your show uh, and the thing about the cruise ships that's really helped me is um, uh, with my one-man show is I use multimedia. And so it, in my one-man show, when I've got access to video screens and things, I can actually walk off into the background as Charlie Chaplin. And, you know, you can work with lights and sound and special effects and things on stage, and it's, it's just a wonderful opportunity. That's one of the highlights for me is, is the place to work on a ship and the travel is incredible the, the thing that I really don't like anymore is the um, is the flying to and from the job like you know I just got home yesterday from a I, I had to sit at an airport for 11 hours fly 11 hours um, from Argentina to New York New York to Halifax Halifax to Moncton at the, my plane got delayed to, you know so you you get home and you're exhausted not from the gig but just from the traveling oh my gosh it really is especially with, with uh, security and stuff and you have to think about your act as well I mean you, you can't um, I, last year, for example, the airlines lost my luggage 14 times. Now, that means I have to turn up to a cruise ship with no clothes and no act. So you've got to, and you, the cruise ships don't care, they want you to work. Yeah. They'll, they'll get you a suit, but you've still got to be able to work. So I always said to myself that, that uh, all the years I've put into reading books, I'm, I'm, I'm not a big fan, I don't mind DVDs, but I'm a, I grew up reading magic books, and I, would read, and I still do, I read every, every book I can get my hand on, because... Um, because if you can build up your library or your, your, your knowledge of magic and at the drop of a hat perform, you know, if you had to do 
45 minutes with no props, can you do it? And if you can say that, yes, you can do a good 45-minute show with props you can find, you know, on a cruise ship like an Orange, and, um, then you're ready to do a ship. Yeah, absolutely. Because uh, uh, because that's, that's the real life of a cruise ship entertainer is turning up without your luggage. <laughs> um, and, you know, I mean, it's cost me a lot of money. I've, sometimes I've had to go out and work the cruise just to pay for the act. Of course. <laughs> but I, I was going to ask you for some, you know, some advice to pass on to our listeners, but I think that's probably, um, you know, as, as good as advice you're going to get. You know, you, you can turn up and do 45 minutes with stuff you can find, you know, lying around a ship, then then you deserve the work. So, Well, part of my lecture actually is, uh, the, lecture, the lecture that I'm doing, some of the stuff in the lecture is actually based on um, on. on, on Stuff. And the funny thing is, oh, sorry, on, on ideas I've come up with that when my luggage got lost. And the funny thing is, is that some of those routines actually have stayed in my show because I now travel with a backpack, just a little backpack, and in the backpack goes like a couple of thumbtacks, um, a little pad of paper, some envelopes, and you can really do, you know, if you, if, if you can pull it off, you can do a, a 40, 45 minute show without much props at all. I mean, you've only got to look at Paul Daniels and there's your, you know, entertainment is, is, the, is the key. No, Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. And, and um, once you realise that, I mean, you know, you can see a magician come on and and, and, uh, and it's almost like watching a magic dealer demo where they do trick after trick, box after box, you know what I mean? And, and, and that sort of thing. But if you can come on without, uh, with very few props, another one of my favourite magicians, well, the, the two of my favourites, uh, well, obviously it was Billy McComb, who I think was the master at packing small and playing big. And, and these days, uh, do you know, uh, you must know Nick Lewin? Yes. You know Nick? Well, Nick Lewin is another guy who I just admire so much because Nick can do the same thing. He's like the modern-day Billy McComb. He comes out with, with very little props, but boy, is he entertaining. <laughs> and um, he's hilarious, and, and that's why he's constantly working. But again, that pack small, play big, and uh, if you can do that on a ship, then you'll be working quite a lot. The best advice I give everybody that asks, anybody that asks for ships is to is simply to make sure that you're ready before you jump into doing chips. You know, make sure, A, that you have a really solid 45-minute uh, show. And it has to be original as well because the bookers now, you know, these people that book the ships, they can get a, they can get a, a hundred DVDs a week from magicians and other acts. So you've got to have something that's pretty different to, to stand out, you know. Um, a lot of people on ships are doing the same old thing. They're now doing the bowling ball production, the bandana. Even cruise directors, believe it or not, are doing the bandana routine. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, if you come out and do the bandana routine and the cruise, instantly they're not going to like it. It's just a strange, strange world on ships. There's a whole lot of advice. And in the book, I talk all about little politics on ships, and, and I keep right out of it because it's so easy to get involved and go to crew bars and... And then the dynamics change between you and the staff because they, it's just, and they treat you differently. And it's just, it's a, it's a whole different life. In some ways, it's going back to high school, believe it or not, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Because <laughs> they're on a ship with all these different nationalities and things. I'll let you get a question if you like. No, listen. <laughs> I can go on forever talking about ships. And it's just, it's, it's just been a learning curve. It's amazing. Absolutely, but it's fine for me. I, we're coming to towards the end of the podcast. I want to ask a fairly uh, deep question. Uh, now, in your act, uh, on, on the Charlie Act, you make the visual transformation from you, Paul, to Charlie yep. in front of the audience. Mm -hmm. Why do you feel that's so important? Well... I do that in my full evening show, and I'll be honest with you, it's probably the strongest, uh, how can I put this, it's one of the most sentimental and strongest parts of the show, and the reason I do it is, is because I come out and I do a little bit of comedy just to open up and get people to know who I am and, 
and, and, and a little bit about me. But, and then I sit on the stage, on a stool, with one spotlight on, and I put the makeup on. And, they, and you can actually, it's hard to explain until you see it, but you, you see me be, go from Paul to Charlie Chaplin. And I think, and, and I've had people say the hair stands up on the back of their neck when they watch that. It's just such, um, it's, uh, to me, that's the real magic. That's real magic. When, as, as I said, it's like no props, nothing, but there's something magical about physically changing to Charlie Chaplin. And instantly people will just fall in love with the character, you know, uh, because they can see it happen right in front of their eyes. And to me, that's, that's one of the most, uh, most, most amazing parts about my full evening show. It's amazing just how powerful something simple like that can be. Fantastic. Well, Paul, just to recap, you'll be appearing at the South Tyneside Magic Festival in March. Uh, it's been a real pleasure. Thanks for, uh, thanks for talking to us, ladies and gentlemen. Paul Romani. Thank you. It's been a great talking to you too. Thanks. The South Tyneside International Magic Festival takes place this March, Friday the 13th, Saturday the 14th and Sunday the 15th at the Customs House in South Shields. Now all the information is available on our site. You can click on the left hand side, the South Tyneside Magic Festival link and you'll see all the news as we report it. You can also go to the South Tyneside Council site, which also has a lot more information on it as well. Now that web address is www www.southtyneside.info slash visiting us slash magic hyphen festival you also find a link to that at the bottom of this podcast entry as well now paul is also running a masterclass on sunday the 15th of march 3 p.m till 6 p.m the information for that is also on the south tyneside convention site now you can find all the information for this convention and other conventions on our main website at www.magicconventionguide.com.